This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out, which can help keep your blood vessels healthy and your circulatory system working properly, including Protocol's unique soy-free form of vitamin K2 that has been shown to promote healthy vascular structures, and D3, which helps maintain healthy blood levels of calcium. They're available in several forms and dosages, including a new combined formulation, which harnesses the synergistic effects of both K2 and D3. They're backed by solid scientific data and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to provide you with an update on the, the science behind something called NT Factor. It's lipid replacement therapy. It's designed for mitochondrial support. That's one of the buzzwords in looking at complex diseases and also looking at the very, very basis for aging. With us today is Professor Emeritus, Dr. Garth Nicholson. He's a PhD and an MD. He's president and founder and chief scientific officer of the Institute for Molecular Medicine, which is located in Huntington Beach, California. And he's uh, visited us here on Intelligent Medicine at various times over the years. He's a perennial guest. He has uh, some new things to share with you on the research front. Uh, Also, he is research advisor for nutritional therapeutics, makers of NT Factor, so welcome to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Nicholson. It's a pleasure having you back on the program. How are you doing? Well, it's, it's fun to be back, actually. Well, great. So uh, just to, for our listening audience, uh, you know, many supplements uh, are uh, there on the marketplace based on anecdotal evidence or based on uh, traditional use, say, in Samoa or in Nepal. Uh, and, uh, you know, their benefits are, um, shall we say, uh, based on... Uh, tradition, or uh, some anecdotal evidence. But how many actual scientific publications are there now on uh, the subject of lipid replacement therapy? I, you, you sent me a compendium, there are quite a few. Well, there are about 45 publications on it, and some of these are, are clinical trials, controlled clinical trials. So we, we do have quite a bit of information. Okay, great. Uh, there's an article uh, that caught my eye on the NT Factor website. It's at ntfactor.com. And uh, it takes up a very important question, uh, which is, are you simply tired or are you fatigued? And is there a distinction? Because, you know, being tired, especially these days, it's a commonplace. You know, people are stressed, uh, they're sleep deprived, uh, they don't get enough exercise, uh, maybe they're on a crappy diet. But being fatigued, that there's a nuance there, isn't there? There is, and it, it's fairly simple to tell them apart. If you're tired, uh, generally uh, sleep will refresh you, and it will remove that tiredness, and it's generally not a problem. But if you're fatigued, uh, sleep will not refresh it. You still will feel the same when you got up as when you went to bed. And so that's a major, major difference between them. Now, we have a condition we call chronic fatigue, and that means if you've been fatigued for six months or more, we generally consider that 
chronic fatigue. So that's a long-lasting fatigue that does not go away with sleep or, or other situations. Right. I think another distinction is that, uh, you know, sometimes I'm kind of tired and, uh, you know, I, I switch gears. I do something uh, stimulating, entertaining, or, or maybe I just, uh, you know, put on my running shoes and, you know, take a run or, you know, go to the pool, take a swim or take a bike ride. And I feel invigorated. I feel energized. But that's not what happens in truly fatigued individuals, is it? Well, that's true. Certainly, if you've got fatigue or chronic fatigue, uh, when you do those uh, exercise, for example, you feel so tired and you you can't recover. Normally, you recover fairly quickly from it, uh, but you don't recover. You f- keep feeling tired and, and you don't have a, a sense that you have enough energy to do even normal daily uh, duties. And it just doesn't go away. And sleep doesn't help. And you remain in a fatigued state. Is an argument to be made that people who suffer from really profound fatigue have a a basic mitochondrial problem, that that's really at the root of this? Well, mitochondria are the little batteries inside our cells, and they provide um, more than 90% of cellular energy needs. So if your mitochondria are damaged, you lose that uh, backstop, uh, and you can't provide the energy that your cells need to function. So that's one of the reasons we feel tired, is if our mitochondrial function is not working at peak performance. And does that naturally decline with aging? I mean, it's kind of inevitable, isn't isn't it? There's a sort of an entropy that occurs with uh, cellular energy production uh, that eventually, uh, you know, causes us to feel less uh, energized, less it mentally alert, and, you know, affects our heart, affects all our organs. Yeah, it does decline with age. and. And there's a reason for that, and one of the reasons is your mitochondrial function declines as you age. And uh, the, the reason the mitochondrial function declines is because basically your mitochondria get damaged over time uh, by free radicals and, and other events that reduce their function and ability to produce uh, high-energy molecules that you need. And we now know that the reason for that is that the inner membrane of the mitochondria uh, which uh, is surrounded by two membranes, so there's an outer membrane and an inner membrane. The inner membrane is where all the energy generation occurs. And that uh, inner membrane, uh, if it's damaged, uh, we can't provide the uh, transmembrane electrical chemical potential across that membrane to drive the production of high-energy molecules. And so that's one thing that declines as you age. And the reason uh, there there multiple reasons why it can decline, but the main reason in older people why it declines is because of this buildup of free radicals with aging and the damage, and if it's not repaired, uh, you'll have non-functional or partially functional mitochondria. So by the time you get 90 years old, for example, generally people lose about half their mitochondrial function, so already they're, they're impaired, their mitochondrial function is impaired. And we've figured out a way to uh, repair that damage that's done to mitochondria because the most uh, exquisitely sensitive part of the mitochondria are the membrane lipids that are in the inner membrane. And these lipids are very particular. It's not like fat. They're particular membrane phospholipids. And they have to be replaced when they're damaged. And if you don't have the mechanisms to replace it or if you're lacking the precursor molecules to replace it, uh, you will remain, it will remain impaired, 
and uh, you will fatigue very easily. And as you get older, this happens. I guess, uh, you know, a proper analogy is, uh, you know, I've got a car that's, uh, we're pushing uh, 90,000 miles in the car. I love the car. If it's 10 years old, I don't drive that much. So it took a while to accumulate 90,000 miles. But yeah, around the, you know, 100, 150,000 mile mark, uh, that engine's just not going to be as efficient because of all the, the high energy processes that were occurring in there, high temperatures and friction. Uh, and so damage may occur and uh, the engine will be less efficient. Well, that certainly happens uh, as we age, and uh, we've uh, really determined that one of the, the major things with our mitochondria that, that happens uh, is this loss of the transmembrane potential in the mm-hmm. inner membrane, and we can restore that potential if we replace the lipids in the membrane uh, so that they're no longer we no longer have a leaky membrane, and uh, that's uh, extremely important. And if we do that, for example, we've been... Uh, we've shown that if you take a 90-year-old with virtually half the the uh, ability to produce high-energy molecules, so half the mitochondrial function, and if you replace the damaged lipids in there, you can restore the mitochondrial function to a 30-year-old, to the level seen in a 30-year-old. So it's quite possible for people, even as they get older, to repair the damage that's been done uh, to their membranes, particularly their mitochondrial membranes. So there, there are other conditions besides uh, aging which compromise the mitochondria. Well, you know, one, and you've actually uh, done a study on this, is uh, cancer and, and consequently cancer chemotherapy. Cancer chemotherapy, which can sometimes kill the cancer and save lives, actually has a pretty deleterious effect on the mitochondria, causing patients who receive chemotherapy to really experience profound fatigue. I mean, it's just debilitating. Uh, and is there a prospect for uh, anti-factor to help those patients? Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the studies that we've done over the years is, is patients, for example, undergoing chemotherapy, uh, their mitochondria get damaged, uh, and the mitochondria in non-cancer cells get damaged as well as cancer cells. And so it takes a long time to recover, and this is a phenomenon of cancer fatigue. But cancer fatigue occurs even without Mm -hmm. therapy. People have cancer, particularly in the later stages, they get fatigued just because the cancer, there's a high production of free radicals in cancer cells, and this damages mitochondria, and they just don't produce the high-energy molecules at the level that we need to function. So people with cancer generally have this problem of cancer fatigue, and it's, it's particularly acute when they're undergoing cancer therapy, for example, radiotherapy or chemotherapy. Uh, so we do have a way to, to protect against that now uh, using the Sinti factor, these phospholipids, which go in and replace the damaged phospholipids, which are exquisitely sensitive to these free radicals that are produced uh, during the aging process, during chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and practically in any disease. Uh, for example, we've been doing some work on COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that because there's these long hauler people, you know, the people who Yeah, these long hauler people that are highly fatigued and they do have lasting effects, lingering effects long after uh, the, the major incident uh, of their of their infection. And one of the reasons for this is the free radicals that are generated during the infection damage the mitochondrial membranes, and it takes a long time to repair them. And the Sinti factor helps in that process considerably and repairs the, their mitochondria much, uh, much faster. And so people recover from that. Uh, they don't, uh, it reduces the symptoms 
that these long haulers have. And, and so we're kind of excited about that. And we're using the NT factor, by the way, for a number of different uh, uses. And my most recent use is in detoxification of chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, a group of veterans, for example, in a clinical trial that were uh, literally poisoned by chemicals uh, during the Gulf War, and they'd been sick ever since. And we're now slowly removing those chemicals. And the reason we can do that is we give them fairly high doses of the anti-factor lipids. And the anti-factor lipids actually encapsulates the chemicals and helps remove them slowly from their mm-hmm. systems. And although it takes a long time, there's an added benefit to this is that people that uh, have uh, have this problem, often if they try and go in to have their chemicals removed from their body, they suffer very severe uh, signs and symptoms because uh, they get essentially poisoned during the removal process by the chemicals when they are brought out and their body is exposed to them. Well, the anti-factor lipids encapsulate them and more or less uh, buries these lipids inside little droplets of the anti-factor lipids, and then they're slowly removed and they come out in the stool, and you can actually smell smell the chemicals coming out of in these veterans' stool. Oof. Yeah, I mean, that that's a fascinating application of that. Uh, you recently wrote a paper, uh, I believe it was actually um, published last year in a journal called Bioactive Compounds in Health and Disease, uh, entitled Aging and Chronic Illnesses, Membrane Lipid Replacement for Restoring Mitochondrial Function and Reducing Fatigue, Pain, and Other Symptoms in Aged Individuals. And um, there's some very interesting uh, case studies in there. Um so, um, what are what did you find in that study? Well, we we were looking at, at several different parameters when people take the anti factor lipids, and uh, more recently we've been working on pain, and uh, we chose fibromyalgia patients for that because they have widespread pain and and it doesn't seem to respond to uh, to anything that they take. Uh, it's very difficult for people to lower their pain levels if they have fibromyalgia. We've been using the relatively high dose, higher doses than we'd use, for example, for anti-aging, but we've used higher doses of the anti-factor lipids. And we've been actually able to suppress this widespread pain in, in people that, that have this problem. And the reason, we know the reason for this now is that the anti-factor lipids partition into the membranes and they actually surround the, the little ions, the ion molecules in the, in the membrane, the ionophores, or the channels that that are necessary when they function to provide electrical impulse in the membrane, and we can stabilize them so that they're not firing all the time and depolarizing, which gives you pain if it's a mm-hmm. turns out to be a nerve that's involved in in pain transmission. Uh, we can stabilize those nerves so people are not they're not firing all the time, and so people's pain levels go down considerably when when they take uh, these higher levels of the anti-factor lipids. So. We're, we're doing some work on that and getting some very interesting results, and we've been able to identify some of the, the pain receptors that are involved, and, and uh, so we know a lot more about this process now than when we started. Also, I think uh, you, you mentioned some effectiveness against uh, neuropathic pain, neuropathy, which is really a very, very refractory condition. It responds sometimes to medication, but only partially. Uh, there's some nutritional approaches, but uh, could NT factor be part of the solution? Yes, it can. In fact, for example, we're just starting a study on peripheral neuropathy in diabetic patients, which which have this problem, and they have these peripheral neuropathies on their extremities, and it, these are just chronic pain problems that just don't go away. And 
there's very little that can be used to uh, to to help with this, and we're using the anti-factor lipids to help people with with this type of pain. So the anti-factor lipids have multiple uses. Uh, I mentioned detoxification, pain, fatigue, and we're using it also to uh, stabilize uh, people's uh, lipid profiles in their blood. And uh, we did one study uh, looking at people with uh, high homocysteine levels. The homocysteine is a molecule in your blood that's used as a marker that will predict uh, heart attacks and hospitalization uh, for heart problems. And we've been able to show that we can uh, take danger levels of that molecule in the blood and bring it back to, to more normal levels. And those people, in fact, uh, were prevented from, from going into a situation where they had heart attacks by, by taking the anti-factor lipids. So that, that's we're kind of because, excited about Yeah, because we tend to think of, you know, some of the classic nutrients like B12 and folate and B6, uh, you know, as being the secret sauce for getting homocysteine down. But you think that for people who can't lower their homocysteine uh, using ordinary means, that that could be a good adjunct to the standard therapy for homocysteine? Absolutely. And, and there's no reason why they can't use it altogether because there's no counterindication for the anti-factor lipids. It does not really interfere with uh, these other vitamins and minerals. As a matter of fact, it will help the lipid-soluble uh, vitamins uh, be picked up and inner cells uh, higher. So it, it, it's really useful for that. Yeah, and that brings up a question. You know, I keep getting questions all the time because uh, they think I'm the voice of NT Factor. You know, NT Factor is a sponsor, so I get all the questions. Uh, and many of them are along the lines of, well, I'm taking this or I'm that, taking that medication or I'm about to have surgery. Um my feeling is that NT factor is very unlikely to interfere with any medication. Now, there are vitamins and supplements and, you know, uh, natural things that sometimes uh, can interfere with medications or can be things that you have to stop before surgery. But to my mind, there's not a lot of contraindications. Is, is that your impression? Yes, we haven't seen really anything that uh, is counterindicated with the NT factor lipids. Uh, that I know of. That, uh, of course, we haven't examined everything, but uh, basically we've we've looked into this and we've not seen anything that will cause a problem, mainly because these molecules are the same types of molecules that are in your cell membranes and mm -hmm. your mitochondrial membranes already. So it's not a really a drug. It's not a foreign substance, well, yeah, right. It's not a foreign substance. It's a natural substance that's there anyway. And the only thing we're really doing is replacing the damaged molecules that are in your cells and in your mitochondria and, and some of the other organelles of, of your cells. And so just replacing the, the, the damaged parts of the mitochondria doesn't really do anything detrimental at all. What's the time course for people to respond to, uh, to lipid replacement therapy with NT factor? Is it, uh, you know, virtually instantaneous or does it take uh, days or weeks or months or even years? Well, it depends a lot on the dose. And, uh, if people take a normal dose, it may take uh, a few weeks to really show maximum effects. If they take a high dose, it, it just happens sooner. So that's what we found over the years is the higher doses really uh, cause the change, uh, more rapid change. But uh, we, we have different levels that we recommend for different conditions. And, for example, an anti-aging level is different from somebody who's heavily fatigued, mm -hmm. which is different from somebody who's suffering, uh, let's say, severe widespread pain. 
uh, or somebody that needs to uh, uh, remove chemicals from their body. So um, those are all using increasing levels of the anti-factor lipids. So, uh, we, again, there's different purposes, different uses, different levels that we recommend. And I want to get into the specifics on that uh, in part two, because we divide our podcast into two parts. I just want to mention that um, there's a great article uh, and many, several great articles at uh, ntfactor.com. Are you fatigued or just tired and why you need to know? Uh, also, for a limited time, a special offer to our intelligent medicine listeners. Uh, you can go to ntfactor.com and use code ENERGY15. That's ntfactor.com. Use code ENERGY15 and get a 15% off patented energy with NT Factor and NT Factor lipids powder. And we'll find out more about the different forms of NT Factor uh, when we return. Our guest, Professor Meredith Garth Nicholson. He's an MD and a PhD, and he's founder and chief scientific officer the Institute for Molecular Medicine in Huntington Beach, California. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. <laughs> 